June's Journey is a fascinating hidden object mystery gaming app where you'll play as June Parker, tasked with a daunting obligation, solve your sister's murder. Set in the 1920s, the era of glitz and glam, this family mystery is one for the ages. Everyone's a suspect until your investigation determines otherwise. The clues are all around you, hidden within tricky twists and turns. You'll collect detailed information about each character in your photo album where you'll comb over every detail. You can even join a detective's club to chat and play with others or against them in the detective's league. With hundreds of puzzles to solve, you should probably get started today. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. You're, you're selling access to the present just like so you. I'm a damn liar, man. That's not true. And no one has ever said that. No one has heard that. No. You see it on the TV. No, I know you do. And by the way, that's why I, I'm not sedentary. I don't. I get up and, and, and no, let them go. Let them go. Look, the reason I'm running is because I've been around a long time and I know more than most people know. And I can get things done. That's why I'm running. And you want to check my shape on, let's do push-ups together here, man. Let's do, let's run. Let's do whatever you want to do. Let's take Hey everybody, this is Anthony Salvanto. Welcome to Where Did You Get This Number? I am in the CBS News Radio newsroom, and I am about to call Bo Erickson. He is our CBS News political reporter, and he taped that track you just heard, where Joe Biden and an angry Iowa voter went back and forth. Now, I want to get Bo's tales from the trail, what it was like to be in the room at that moment that made national news. So we will get the latest from that and then go deeper on what the Biden campaign is thinking and what is their strategy in Iowa and throughout these contests as they head into the home stretch. But first, let me get Bo on the phone. Hey, Bo, Anthony Salvanto calling. Hi, Anthony. How are you? I'm good. I had to catch up with you after that video made national news last week. Did you tape that? Yes, I did. It was quite the moment. It was um, was pretty surprising when we were watching it go down. Now, were you taping the whole event, or did you see that start to percolate and then turn on the tape? So we tape every event. We stand there um, and follow Biden throughout the room. And usually when the questions come up, that's when more of the news happens. So we were watching very carefully, and he went into it. And our ears perked up immediately when he called uh, Mr. Biden too old to be president. Now, what was the mood in the room? Take us in there, because, of course, there's been pundit reaction and some voter reaction. But how did the folks there immediately react? What was your sense? So this is really unlike any exchange I've seen Mr. Biden over the past six months his campaign have with a voter. It was very intense. We're in a very small town of Iowa, and a lot of the people there were very favorable to Mr. Biden. So when this retired farmer, as he called himself, was going so hard at Biden, everyone was kind of taking a step back. There were some actually... Uh, school-aged children in the room, and they were, like, kind of jumping around, like, almost gasping, um, seeing such a fired-up Biden. That's, that's terrific. Thank you, Bo. Thanks, Anthony. Now let me take you to the rest of our conversation with Bo. 
taped while he was on an eight-day bus tour with the Biden campaign and get his download on where it goes from here. We are joined from the road once again by Bo Erickson in, is it Iowa, Bo? It's, it's hard to keep up these days. Yes, lovely, cold Iowa, but where I grew up, I'm totally used to it. We were in Ames, Iowa this morning. Fantastic. And Bo, let's let's just set the scene for our listeners here. You are in a hotel room right now as you're traveling with the Biden campaign? Yes, in a hotel room. We've been going for five days out of five of eight days through his bus tour from western Iowa to eastern Iowa. So we're about in the middle of the state right now. There's lovely construction going on. There's a lot of building projects, you could say, jobs out there. It's, it's very interesting to be in Iowa at this, at this time of year. But, but the real struggle for a campaign reporter, as you and I have discussed offline, is you're trying to go low carb as you travel <laughs> through, <laughs> through Iowa. <laughs> what is that like and how are you faring? So when you travel with a campaign, and this is one of my um, longest trips I've done with a campaign, you, you travel right behind the bus that Joe Biden travels in. So you have to keep up with him. And he is very speedy guy, but, you know, there's not a lot of time to swing through the best salad restaurants in Iowa here. So we're eating a lot out of styrofoam containers. There's a lot of reliance on Texas toast at a lot of these um, restaurants that are ordered that and it is fantastic um, but I am avoiding all Texas toast at all costs because this is a long road that we're on and I am just trying to find a good salad out here so I'm always happy when I'm able to do that you are a hero if you can avoid Texas toast in, <laughs> in the Midwest because that stuff is good um, all right well well look speaking of challenges okay the Biden campaign is out there in Iowa he's been to sort of encapsulate it neck and neck for top preference in the polling out there. But now, as we record this, Kamala Harris has just dropped out. So here's the deal, guys. Um, My campaign for president simply does not have the financial resources to continue and the financial resources we need to continue. She wasn't top tier out there in Iowa, but there is a set of supporters. Is there anything in particular the Biden campaign is doing to try to pull them over to their side? So it's very interesting here in Iowa to think about Kamala Harris's support and how it could transfer to Joe Biden. We do hear from voters out here in Iowa that if they're not quite set on Joe Biden yet, Kamala Harris is someone that they were bringing up because she is kind of in that moderate mold lane. So there maybe maybe might be some transfer there. However, for the past couple months since that first Democratic debate where Kamala Harris went after Joe Biden on the topic of busing, we did kind of start to see this rift between the supporters and maybe a wall in between them that you were either in Team Kamala or Team Joe Biden. A lot of people who were maybe thinking, oh, I may support Joe Biden, but or Kamala Harris were turned off, especially here in Iowa. Um, So we may see some transfer between her supporters over to Joe Biden. But anecdotally, just talking yesterday right after it happened, is that people think that her supporters may go to more someone like Elizabeth Warren. 
So the other shakeup in the race is the entry of Mike Bloomberg. Now, he's not competing in Iowa. He's going to wait until the Super Tuesday states, the ones that come after Iowa, New Hampshire, Nevada, South Carolina. But he's clearly in the race. We know he's made a giant ad buy. How is the Biden campaign reacting to that? So we've been trying to ask him about Bloomberg uh, for the past couple of weeks since he's gotten in, and he just keeps saying, well, I welcome Mike Bloomberg to the race, you know, in that Joe Biden tone with that smile, that gleaming smile he has. But when we asked him earlier on this trip that we're on, standing next to him was Dr. Jill Biden, his wife, former second lady, and she said that she thinks it is so important for these candidates to show up in these early states, Iowa, New Hampshire, Nevada, South Carolina, and that these people want to see them. And she implied that these early state voters were actually upset that he was skipping at them. Um, so I'm, I'm wondering if maybe there'll be a a movement against Mike Bloomberg in other states in saying that he's maybe not respecting the process. But if he's in front of you, maybe you feel happy in one of these early states. There's an implicit assumption, at least being made on the part of some pundits, that the entry of Bloomberg signals that there are Democrats who say even after these early states, they're not going to be happy with the leader or the front runner. And that may well be Joe Biden if the polling is right. Yeah, we've heard a lot from candidates like Elizabeth Warren that Michael Bloomberg is the best foil for her. But he's also kind of a foil for Joe Biden as well. Joe Biden, as a former vice president of the United States, is obviously has a lot of gravitas with him. That's what he's selling out here in Iowa. But he is also selling his no malarkey, middle class Joe image. And so he actually kind of has someone to run against as well with Bloomberg and saying, well, I'm not doing that. I'm out here working for your vote, even if I have some level of of wealth in my life and things are easier for me. I do not feel indebted um, or, or need to be automatically rewarded for your support and, and become president just because I'm well known. OK, so since you said malarkey, let me let's talk about this for a second, Bo. You know, we know now that the the sort of tagline for Joe Biden of late is this no malarkey, right? It's it's on the side of the bus. Is yes. that OK? So yeah, on the side of the bus with the definition. With, with the definition. OK, so that that's where my question is headed. Now, we know malarkey means sort of what BS or, you know, no, no mm -hmm. fancy talk or what have you. Is it an old fashioned word? And if it is, is that him just going all in on the idea of, hey, we're, you know, going back, we're restoring America, et cetera? Or is it maybe a vulnerability in saying, well, look, you know, there's going to be a generation that may not have ever used this word or know what it means. And, well, you know, that just is what it is. I've asked a lot of people on this trip about malarkey and what they think about it. So, while people maybe in metropolitan areas are quick to laugh at malarkey term and, and maybe fall into that OK boomer phrase with Joe Biden, people out here really love it. Mm -hmm. And it, it's very fun. I ask them, like, so what do you think malarkey means? And they look at me like, <clears throat> what are you talking about? Like, we are, you know, a little older Irish Second generation Americans, we use Marlarkon in everyday, everyday conversation. Mm -hmm. um, I think it really just solidifies what Joe Biden is going for, is that he is someone who 
it has been the same for the past couple of decades. He's not going to move on from how he talks. Like he also uses words like haberdasher out on the trail. And, <laughs> and that is always just fun for us who follow him. Um, and that he, he's just genuine to his core when it comes to language and voters like that out here. Now, let me let me talk a little bit more about what the kind of voters Biden is going after. We pollsters always debate how one defines an undecided voter. Is it someone with no preference at all? Is it someone who has a preference but isn't a strongly held one? How is the Biden campaign defining an undecided voter? And I ask this because I think you've reported, as have others, that that is his new focus, that there is that they're encouraged by the fact that there seem to be many Iowans who are undecided. So they are going on this eight day bus tour through rural Iowa. And this is the the scope here. These towns that Joe Biden says some of his Democratic rivals forget when they're campaigning. He definitely says President Trump forgets now that he's in office. He thinks this is one way that he can go after these undecided voters. These are uh, people who are just tuning in according to them. They sat down for Thanksgiving. They may have not talked about politics, but now they're kind of going to start tuning in now in their families. These people are hard workers out here. They're not watching cable news all day. They're not monitoring Twitter. And so bringing the campaign message directly to these small towns, um, maybe sometimes, in, you know, in 2016, these precincts and these caucuses in countywide had a couple hundred caucus votes. And Joe Br- Biden is bringing in maybe two, three, four hundred people on an event. He says that he's reaching undecided voters and he is. Bringing this up on the campaign trail, and the first number that I will present to you is a stat from a University of Iowa poll that he constantly says. And by saying a stat from the University of Iowa poll, you can kind of like boost confidence that you know what you're talking about with the states here. But he says that 65% of Iowans are undecided. And when we break that down a little bit, talking with the campaign, those are people who do not have just one definitive choice. And so he is trying to make them commit directly to him. Yesterday, Dr. Jill Biden on the campaign trail, she said that through the holiday season, a lot of us make lists and she just wants you to cross off that point on the list that says choose a candidate. She says, because today at these events, you're picking Joe Biden. The uh, bringing the numbers, Bo Erickson, bringing in the stats. That's what we love on this (laughs) podcast. Thank you, sir. Now, now, Does it concern the campaign that even after a year of campaigning, there still are undecided voters, especially since he's in he's top tier, if if not in first place? Does that make that a little bit more tenuous? Yeah, you raise the question of what else do voters need to know about Joe Biden? He has been in public life for literally decades he was serving in the Senate when some candidates that he was running against were in grade school. And so I asked this question to former Iowa Governor Tom Vilsack, who recently endorsed Joe Biden because they got to know each other very well when Mr. Vilsack was a secretary of agriculture during the Obama administration. So I asked him, Mr. Vilsack, you know Iowa better than anyone. What questions do they still have about Joe Biden? Why why do they not know what if they like him or not? 
and he immediately brushed it off. He's one of the top surrogates here. And he said, it's not so much that they're worried about Joe Biden. Iowans just really are slow to make up their minds and they take a while and they kind of want to like they kind of want to see how far they can stretch Joe Biden, see if they can get him at a at a supper at their house, uh, see if they can really, you know, get another photo with him or another conversation. So he just says that um, once we get closer, we're 62 days away from the Iowa caucus as we tape this today. Um, as we get closer, they they hopefully, but for the Vilsacks and for the Bidens, will come into the camp. We're going to take a break. On the other side, we'll talk about why Joe Biden in the Democratic race is visiting a lot of conservative Republican counties. One of the things that you've reported is that on this bus tour and his other travels, Joe Biden is going to a lot of Republican counties. Why is that? Yes. So this trail is 18 counties long and 15 out of 18 of them voted for President Trump in the general election. And a lot of these counties I've been looking as we go through to just see how Republican they are. Donald Trump racked up 60, 70, 80 percent of the vote in these counties in 2016 against Hillary Clinton. And so obviously there's some Democratic support here, the Joe Biden campaign thinks. And Biden talks about this on the campaign trail that he, he's just busting it open, that he wants Republican support. He wants to work with Republicans at a national level, but he wants them voting for him on caucus day. And hopefully if he makes it to the general election. When I go around and ask voters what they're thinking at these events, you do run into Republicans. There are some very angry Republicans here who are just as happy and just as proud to be Republican, but they do not want to support President Donald Trump. A lot of these people that I'm talking to on these Republican fronts, they did support him in 2016, but the tariffs and how they are affecting agriculture here in Iowa has just been a devastating blow to a lot of people, even if they're not directly farmers. There's a lot of businesses that rely on agriculture here in the state, and out here on the trail, Democrats at Joe Biden events are the type of people who, when you bring up Republicans— they don't shriek or, you know, get this disgusted look on their face. They say that these people are their neighbors. They These people are in their families, and they're just not at the, the point in their political lives or their personal lives that they're going to write these people off. And so when Joe Biden on the campaign trail says that he's not writing off potential ways to work with Republicans, they think that's a great idea. And the other part of this that you've reported, though, I think is interesting is the way in which Biden is trying to connect on a personal level with these voters. Now, of course, every campaign tries to do that, some successfully, some not. One of the measures we've used in the polling is, is this a candidate who understands you? Is this a candidate who would fight for you? Is this a candidate who is someone like you? And Elizabeth Warren has done very well on some of those measures. Biden does well on them, less so with excitement, how is it that Biden is either trying to move the needle or connect in his own way with these folks when you hear him give these talks and give these speeches? Yeah, thank you for asking that, Anthony, because I think it is something that it really differentiates Joe Biden and some of the other Democratic presidential candidates that I've seen here in Iowa. When you walk into a Joe Biden rally, 
you are you are not going to see the voters there on their feet every 10 seconds clapping rah 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 dancing in the aisles that is not a joe biden event whatsoever these people who are interested in him come sit there listen you know sometimes golf clap when they agree with something and something that i've always noticed it happens at every single event is while they're listening joe biden brings up his personal struggles that his family has faced he has lost several members of his family throughout the years and that is something that voters are really connecting with because when we ask, so what do you like about Joe Biden? They just, they say, well, I know him and he's a good guy and it's all about characteristics. And you say, well, how do you know that? And instead of talking about Joe Biden, they talk about something that their family has gone through. Just the other day, a woman was describing to me how her son recently committed suicide and she went up and talked to Joe Biden about this and the conversation wasn't that long, but, you know, you just kind of get the sense watching these conversations go on that he makes them feel like he is there for them, that he has been through it. And he says on the campaign trail, you know, and in a larger setting that there will be one day where the thought of these loved ones does not bring a tear to your eyes, but a smile to your face. And they want a candidate. They want a president, his supporters, who has empathy, who has compassion, who has a heart. And someone who's looking at this from the outside, I, I, I kind of believe that, you know, that is a very solid, excited Joe Biden supporter. Is that harder to do for the campaign in the context that we've seen in Democratic uh, debates and Democratic uh, go back and forth? where it's so policy oriented, where it's very specific about how you pay for this and that, how much tax goes to this and that, or is this sort of an undercurrent that we're just not seeing at the national level? Is this just sort of something going going on a little bit below the radar that people shouldn't be surprised about? I think this idea boosts his credibility maybe on what he's saying that he'll do in policy. How so? It, it, it kind of brings out a truth element to him, an honesty element. And as long as, he, as long as his policies don't immediately put you off, there is some sense that he's telling the truth. So there's a rationality to it in the sense that, and this is a sort of classic 100%. in voter behavior, right? It's, it's the idea of I, the voter, cannot foresee all the policy details and all the developments that may come up over the next four years if I vote for this person. But if I think they're generally like me, then odds are they'll make decisions that I would make. They'll make decisions that are in my favor. And so it becomes a shortcut, even though it's wrapped up in all this emotion, it can be described as rational. And that's that's really fascinating, Bo. Yeah, and just just one thing, quick thing on that, yeah. is that there, I, I guess going out on the campaign trail, one thing I've realized is that Americans um, in, in many communities are really struggling, and they just want, you know, someone to come in and help them. Obviously, some people think President Trump is doing that right now, but there's this group of people um, who, who just want some recognition of what they're going through, um, whether it be in their home or at their businesses, and and Joe Biden it looks in looks into your eyes, 
puts his hands on his shoulders sometimes, um, gives them a hug, and at least for that moment, they feel a little bit better. That is fascinating. And uh, we'll, we'll start looking at that a little bit more in the polling, too. So you've given me some ideas, which I appreciate. Great insights, great stories, great stats. As always, Bo Erickson, CBS political reporter, out there on the trail. Bo, I know you have a bus to catch, so I will <laughs> I will let you go. Thank you, Anthony. Uh, it's leaving 45 minutes, so I just right. got to pack. All right. Well, you have time to grab some Texas toast and, and, and hit the road. <laughs> or, right. find a, or find something Bye. else. Bye. Thank you. All right, man. Um, thank you very much, Bo, as always. That is going to wrap this week's episode of Where Did You Get This Number? Thank you, as always, for listening. Let me thank here everyone at CBS News Radio who makes this possible, including, of course, my intrepid producer, Alan Pang, Maeve Burke for all of her great help, and if you like what you've heard, please download, subscribe, give us a rating, and at us on Twitter or Instagram. Let us know your thoughts and your questions about polling. We'll try to get those answers in episodes upcoming. Until then, talk to you next week.